In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. Welcome, everybody, to part two of our discussion on Flatliners. We re-enter the conversation where Kiefer Sutherland has started to break from reality and all of the other Flatliners are starting to lose it. We enter the conversation talking about the experience of one Mr. Billy Baldwin. Meanwhile, in Billy Baldwin's apartment... Um, he gets on the phone with his fiance. Well, first of all, we as the audience see that he has an incredible library of tapes um, of women that he has had sex with and filmed without their consent. Meanwhile, we also learn... Billy Baldwin. Yeah, very bad news, Billy. Um... Like, that might even be worse than the fact that your brother killed a person. Um, Wait, oh, yeah. I was like, wait, what? Um, Yeah, that uh, was at least an accident. Yeah, so, and then I I think in this, so he calls up his fiance, and and I found myself being like, I was confused because at first I was like, the woman we saw him having sex with again that was getting filmed and didn't know it, was blonde and then his fiance was blonde and then I was like oh but I think that's a different woman like I think like oh blonde ladies in the 90s all looked the same they did and they were all styled the same (laughs) so I'm like and p.s just in case you're worried we are blonde ladies so we can say that um and in the 90s we looked kind of the same everybody did there was no encouragement of any sort of unique style amongst blonde white ladies it was all extremely conformist um Mm -hmm. but so so i so now looking back i think we were supposed to recognize one he's got this like video library of women who he's been having sex with while his fiance is like we get the impression that they're long distance or something she's somewhere else mm-hmm. um the per the woman he was having sex with previously is not this fiance so she doesn't know mm-hmm. that any of this is going on and billy baldwin calls her up and and god movies are set up situations where i'm like if a real person did this you would be on the phone <laughs> to a psychiatric clinic like immediately because oh yeah this time billy baldwin i forget precisely what he says but he's basically like doing the old i'm about to like kind of go in for surgery 
and it could go either way. So I just want to tell you now that I love you. So, like he's he's giving her that oh. sort of vibe, but he's also not yeah. telling her what he's doing. So it comes off as like extremely cagey and weird. And yeah, well, it's a, well, and wait, did he does he leave a message or he talks to her live? I forget. He talks to her on the phone, like they speak on the phone. together. Yeah. Well, see, that's the other thing about movies that's wild, where like people aren't like what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I will not hang up until you explain what the actual fuck you're talking about. Yeah. Like, instead, people people seem to be, like, okay being confused in movies. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but, I mean, well, yeah. Movies have to... Every movie depends on nobody asking any questions. Like... Yes. It's that. just like, you told me that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'm... I'm leaving you the told room me now. Really, yeah, you told me something that really makes no sense, but I gotta go with it. I'm getting another important telephone call. Must go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's she is like I don't know what's happening, but I guess basically as the audience, we know that he's saying this because there's a possibility he's not coming back. Um, right. When he goes under, when they flatline Billy Baldwin, um, he unsurprisingly has precisely the kind of vision you would expect a womanizer to have. Um, <laughs> it's just like visions women. of women and girls. Um, and I, I didn't... Now I'm not so sure, but like... At the time, I sort of interpreted it as being like because there, cause there were little girls alongside grown women that were being like all sort of jumbled up together. And the way I interpreted that was these are all the different women and girls that he liked over his life. Like, so the reason why there are little girls is from when he was a little boy. Let's hope right. so. That's what I want to. <laughs> that's what I would. I need to believe is that that's what's happening. Yes. Um. Yeah, because they they never allude to anything else like darker than that. Right. So. Yes. Because all he is is a womanizer. He doesn't seem to be portrayed as a pedophile. Um, yeah. So he's having this experience, and from so from his perspective, this experience is going quite nicely. It's quite pleasant. However, back in the old building where everyone else is observing what's happening, um, the team is having a really difficult time getting him back. Um, mm. And so they, so I think, I can't remember, I think he ended up being gone for longer than 90 seconds anyway. Mm. Um, but they managed to get him back. And so now both Kiefer Sutherland and Billy Baldwin have had these visions. And they're talking about them in the diner. And Billy Baldwin is talking about how he felt like this feminine presence and it was guiding him and he was like very happy about it. Um, and, uh, but then Kiefer Sutherland is like, but so you're saying nothing bad happened. There was no negative kind of repercussions. You didn't feel anything like, you know, menacing or ominous. And they're all like, why are you asking this, Kiefer Sutherland? Did you feel something <laughs> menacing or ominous? And he's a bit like, uh, yeah, vague about what he saw when he crossed over. Um, but mostly everyone is really excited that they've 
basically reproduced, recreated the um, experiment, which is one of the components to the scientific method. You can't just do something once. You have to do something quite a lot more times uh, for it to be right. reliable. So they're pretty stoked about that. Um, I also really liked, so they're really excited about this. And Oliver Platt says, we finally have something to upstage the fucking baby boomers. And I was like, oh, man. (laughs) So good. Um, Meanwhile, Kevin Bacon, who I think they describe him and he describes himself in this movie as an atheist. So he's like, I, I appreciate you guys have seen these things, but he is still saying this thing about, like, it's your brain kind of coughing out the last bits of something. And Kiefer Sutherland in particular is like, no, it can't be the brain because you saw, like, we're brain dead. Like, these are legitimate experiences. And Kevin Bacon is basically like, I just still feel there has to be a way to explain this scientifically. Um, I don't think you have found the afterlife. Um, Needless to say... Julia Roberts now seems really anxious to go to the other side, but for whatever reason, Kevin Bacon outbids her. Were you going to say something about why she's so excited to go to the other side? Well, I was going to, I guess I was just going to ask you, like in this scenario, would you want these people to be your friends? (laughs) Number one, number one, would you want these people to be your friends? Number two, would you be anxious to be part of this experiment? No and no. Um, yeah. For I'll, So I'll elaborate. I think, I think those are the right answers. Yeah, I'll elaborate on why I say no and no. The first part, would I want people like this to be my friends? My answer is no. And the reason my answer is no <laughs> is because I already am an academic. I'm already a familiar with the sort of people that these characters are, which is tryhards, um, and like doing extra work on top of the work they're supposed to be doing, and that's why I don't want to be friends with these people because yeah, like I'm already in a realm where when I meet, like I've met, like I don't think anyone's doing any flatlining around me by any ch- stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but I have met people who are like this, who are like super intense, won't shut up. Um, about their research and like Uh you know like and it consumes them and it's kind of the only thing that they can care about and I do not like being around those people I genuinely don't yeah so and I and I didn't in graduate school I don't now and so I'm like definitely wouldn't want to be friends with these people um secondly would I be eager to participate (laughs) in this specific experiment absolutely not um no because especially because even though I mean, they all seem a little unhinged yes. that they even want to be part of it i mean because even though they managed to get billy baldwin back they had this one was a tough one like they had they a hard problems. time getting him back <laughs> yeah. and i'd be like i don't want to do this like and in fact no. oliver platt never does it he's like i'm and he says from the start oh, i'm not doing that. this um oh yeah that'd be me yeah, so he's there as, like, I guess, sort of a documentarian or something. But um, we learn that Julia Roberts' character has, like, a personal motivation 
for wanting to do this. Um, yeah, but it's not very good. It isn't very good, and I would almost say that it is stupid um, and juvenile. <laughs> uh, well, also, like, also doesn't again prove what their whatever her her motives. To me, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. That's my question. She's weird for being excited or yes. eager. She has a very, and we'll get to it soon. She has a very, what I would describe as uniquely unrealistic view of what the afterlife might be like. <laughs> um, and that is that is in part informing her eagerness to get there. But then in the end... Uh, it's decided that Kevin Bacon will go instead, I guess because he's an atheist. And like Kiefer Sutherland, who's still kind of the captain of the ship, is like, we need to get an atheist on board or something. Like I don't believe her. Yeah. yeah. Um, then after this weird diner scene, Kiefer Sutherland is out walking the streets in a flappy trench coat, um, <laughs> just trench coating around town. Um, and then, oh yeah, this is the part where like, he's on the street and then I wrote in my handwritten notes, group of midnight cyclists pass him, question mark. Like he's like walking in the street and then just this band of cyclists like on bicycles, (laughs) like roll by. And I'm like, what is this? On the city streets of Chicago late at night, this is a thing that's happening? Um, I wonder. So and they're not like, you're saying cyclists, not like bikers. Correct. Yes, not they're like, on bikes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, then he finds what I've described here as a crimey alley um, full <laughs> of mm-hmm. crime guys and gals. Um mm-hmm. And things are weird. I think this is like, I think even one of the possibly homeless people speaks to him in some sort of cryptic way. Um, And then, uh, I mean, this was also quite a trope of that late 80s, early 90s, where like, you knew you were getting into a dream sequence when you like walk into a hallway or an alley and everyone turns and looks at you. And there's like, fires and trash cans and like people sort of dressed like (laughs) shitty circus performers like you're like oh we're about to be in a dream sequence like that's what's happening here in this case uh Kiefer Sutherland then ends up in like an abandoned subway station and he finds he hears that dog crying noise again um And follows it, which I'm like, why would you do that? Um, People in movies are such dum-dums. And when he he continues into this abandoned area, and what should he find but a small boy in a hoodie? Um, And then do you remember? Well, wait, what? (laughs) What were you going to say? Well, I mean, I guess we'll get get there with this boy in the hoodie, but like... um, this was, I don't remember exactly what happens in this particular part. What happens right here? Well, so I did actually, I don't know if this was for comic effect, but I did laugh out loud. Um, <laughs> the first thing the kid does is kicks Kiefer Sutherland in the crotch. And yeah. 
this whole this whole little boy thing, like the boy, and you wrote here, the boy beats him up violently. This whole little boy thing, this whole um, storyline of like his his trauma is right. this little boy coming back to like beat him up. Correct. That's like what he saw in his vision, and now this is it's coming to life. Whatever. Yeah. But the thing about it is. I think this was one of the scenarios that was supposed to be, like, the most horror-y. Yes. And it didn't work because it was a child. <laughs> like, it, it was like, okay, just, that's a, a baby child. Like, I get it that, like, yeah, it made me laugh a little bit sometimes. So I was like, this is weird, like, that he's afraid of this little child. Like, it didn't. I know children can be creepy and, like, children, ghosts and all that stuff in horror movies, like, it works sometimes. Yeah. But, like, this didn't work. Yeah. I mean, I guess – no, I wouldn't call it scary, but it was disturbing, I suppose. Yes. I mean, okay, listen, do I want, like, a creepy kid in a hoodie, like, who's dead, like, coming up to me and, like, beating me up sometimes? Like, of course not. No. But, <laughs> but it just, like, it didn't come across as, like, the right type of scary that I feel like they were trying yeah. to Yeah, I mean, and at this point, because this movie refuses to do exposition, mostly you're just confused. You're like, right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Because I think, yeah, I think that's right. When you, when you see this little boy in the hoodie for the first time, you don't actually know who it is. So it literally means nothing to you. You're like, I thought the thing was the dog. Like, um, oh, okay. Because we had seen that dog in the vision, and then we saw oh, the dog okay. crawling on the street, and then we heard the dog here, and I was like, oh, well, then it would have made sense for the dog to come back and be scary in some sort of way. But instead, there's this kid who we've not ever seen before, so we don't know what this is. So. You're just like, why is this kid beating this guy up in the nuts? Like, I mean, and so you're kind of, it's more just like, that's kind of funny. Um, Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, I guess this is the following day. uh, Billy Baldwin is like hitting on some woman uh, at the university. She seems to be planning the big upcoming Halloween party for the medical school, maybe. I'm not totally sure. Mm. Um. And this is when Billy Baldwin's vision start to intrude onto reality. Um, in the background, like in this building, there is, or in this room that he's in, like there's a TV. And Billy Baldwin now notices that it's like him on the screen. It's one of, it's one of his videos he's made. Um, mm. But then... Yeah, I think it's straight away, like, rather than focusing on him, it, like, closes up onto the woman's face and she says something like, why did you do this to me or something? Um, Yeah, that's what she said. Why did you do this to me, Joe? So he freaks out and leaves. Um, Meanwhile, we're now back in the old building doing our yet another experiment. And it is Halloween night. Um, yeah, not a great night to do this, I feel. 
Um, yeah. Respect Halloween, guys. Come on. Yeah. Well, and also, again, I will say, like, they also show that on this particular night, even though normally this old building is, like, totally abandoned out the front, this night there's, like, a bonfire and, like, people jumping all around and, like, having a bonfire party out on the steps. Yeah. And, again, I feel like there's something about the costuming choices of the late 80s or maybe most of the 80s and the early 90s where they're uniquely disturbing like the average <laughs> the average halloween costume is very off-putting and then in the context of a movie that is even heightened more cuz like the costumes on these people outside the building i was like this is pure nightmare fuel. Like I can't um, even remember what any of them were. It was a lot of like, you know, again, it had that like kind of circus type quality mm. to it where like a lot of weird okay. masks and a lot of masks, okay. Like, you know, clown-inspired attire that wasn't really clowns, like, you know what I'm talking okay. about sort of. Yeah. Um and I'm like especially because I'm like I, of course, I didn't get to college until nine years after this movie was made. But by then, I was like, people were trying to look good in their Halloween costumes. Not disgusting. Yeah, I feel like, like it was, yeah, it was more, I can only really picture, I can't remember, like, what, like, boys' costumes were. But I know girls was just like, I'm going to put on cat ears and wear a dress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, I was the blue fairy for I think at least a couple Halloweens, um, which was not a particularly suggestive costume, but it was fun because it had good wings on it. They were glitter, um, yeah. So needless to say, this is the night that they've decided to flatline Kevin Bacon. When he gets flatlined, his vision is, is I guess maybe they had to give us something that seemed more like what people had already started talking about at that time so like first it starts out his life flashes before his eyes um and then he's like kind of flying over some snowy mountains and then eventually we start hearing like little girls like they're not singing but they're doing like those like hand clapping songs you know oh, like yeah. that sort of thing um and he sees it's not something you want. This is the whole thing. Disembodied children's voices. Mm -hmm. Not good. Especially with an echo. Especially with an echo effect added. <laughs> yeah. Not good. Like, even if they're singing Miss Mary Mac, you don't want it. Um, yeah. And, and then he's, like, got a vision of, like, some train tracks and a little black girl kids on a playground it's all kind of weird um while this is happening uh the team is having an extremely difficult time getting kevin bacon back to the land of the living um so much so that it seems like at various points that's not going to happen um mm -hmm. even though in fact they do manage it when they go back to Kevin Bacon's apartment, um, Kevin Bacon tells them about this vision of the kids and he, and whereas like, I guess no one fully 
I guess none of the people who flatline fully tell everybody what they saw. They give them some kind of vague descriptions, but they don't really describe in detail what yeah. happens. Um, but Kevin Bacon's vision, I guess, would I would say that like had the least connection to him, at least at first. Like he couldn't mm. tell anyone mm-hmm. like why did they why did these images come to me. Um, mm-hmm. and in fact, they didn't even seem super connected to his life. He was just like, these are the things I saw. It just yeah. so happens now that because of the trouble that they had getting, uh, Kevin Bacon back from his flatline, he was actually brain dead for much longer than two minutes, 20 seconds. And so... Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland is like, now whoever goes next needs to be under for at least four minutes. Um, And this is when Julia Roberts, who's now been bumped twice, is like, I'm doing it. And everyone is like, what are you talking about? Like, this is very bad. Actually, I want to look up. Can you be... Wait, how long can you be brain dead for? How long can Whoa. you be brain That's a dark search. dead for? Um, no, Not long, it, I hope. Well, apparently, this is the very first thing that comes up when you Google that. It says there's very little research on just how long the body of a brain dead person can be maintained. The discussion of brain death dates back to the 1950s um, in France with six patients who were kept, quote-unquote, alive for between 2 and 26 days without blood flow to the brain. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I thought you were going to say 2 and 26 hours, and that was crazy, but what the heck? Oh, here, oh, but this is useful. Okay, permanent brain damage begins after only four minutes without oxygen. Um, And death can occur as soon as four to six minutes later. So really, it seems like... they're really, like, pushing it. They are, and what I would, again, what I would say is happening here is that they're not really dying. They They are inducing brain damage. Like, that's what they're doing. Um, And so, I guess technically four minutes, they can go up to four minutes and presumably come back without any repercussions. But once they push the four-minute mark, then, then we're in a different realm. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, this whole experiment is nonsensical. And definitely doesn't seem to be doing what Kiefer Sutherland thinks it's doing, which is telling us about the afterlife. Because I'm like, if you're if it's under four minutes, then all anyone is going to say is this is brain damage happening. Yeah. And Oof. so so you would have to be under for you would have to be dead for longer than four minutes. And then you would have to come back and be able to say, this is what I experienced during that time, which has never happened. Um, Hmm. 
So anyway, Julia Roberts has decided she'll be the next one to go. In the meantime, back at his apartment, Kiefer Sutherland is increasingly being tormented by the kid in the hoodie. Um, this time he's got a hockey stick, um, which that was getting more in the realm of scary, I thought, like, um, because he had like a devilish, the kid had like a devilish smile and then just started yeah. wailing on him with a hockey stick. Um, yeah. And maybe because, you know, we're from New England, I know the fear that goes into my heart sometimes when I see a group of youths in hoodies with hockey sticks coming out of their hockey bags. I'm like, oh, no, no, don't want to be near them. Um, meanwhile, back at Kevin Bacon's apartment, so that then there's this, like, love story thing that's also happening. Um, but the, the, the effort put into this love story plot is really none like I'm just like yeah and now they're in love like who what why like if these people have been in medical school together for like a number of years or even a number of months at this point like why why hasn't this happened before or why is it happening now like um there's just nothing to that um but she yeah. ne- the, we then learn part of the reason why she's so committed to going to the other side is because she believes that the afterlife is like this wonderful, beautiful place. Um, and she kind of, I think she says to him, like she has to believe that or she has to know, she has to like believe that the people she's lost are like in a better place now. Um, mm-hmm. Which... I'm like, I totally empathize with that. I'm like, it's fine for you to believe that that is true. <laughs> but you, you, you're doing an experiment. You're supposedly a scientist. And so you can't actually go into the experiment assuming that's what you're going to find, which she absolutely does. That's her assumption. And she's going to like find this paradise of a place. Um... Meanwhile, Kevin Bacon is on the train and he he has like a flashback to his vision of the little girl um, berating him. Um, and this was kind of wild. I, w- I found myself watching this scene being like, I bet that little girl really enjoyed saying all that mean stuff to a, an older white guy. Because <laughs> um, she basically just like rattled off like a whole big list of insults um, that also included like some swearing words and stuff. And I was like, I bet she loved doing that. <laughs> um, then uh, we're into Rachel's flatlining experience um, and she is preparing to go under for five minutes. Um, yeah. And I guess, well, one, because like Kiefer Sutherland said it has to be more than four minutes. And two, because she's under the impression she's going to have like this great time. She's going for five minutes. Yeah, they've all lied to her, which is like, I'd be pissed. Well, I see, this is the thing, because they do eventually. Wait a, wait a second. 
Oh, wait a second. At this point, do, I can't remember, do the rest of them know that these visions are, like, following them into the real world? They all know separately from each other. Like, they've not told, like, not, not... They don't tell each other. Right. Kiefer Sutherland, Billy Baldwin, and Kevin Bacon have all now had moments where their visions from the afterlife have come into reality. And none of them yeah. have told the others that that yeah, has happened. Yeah. Later... fucked up to me. Yeah. Later in the movie, the movie tries to make Kiefer Sutherland look like a bad guy and unethical because he specifically didn't tell them about the negative aspect of his particular vision and that he's being tormented. But yeah. I'm like, it doesn't matter anyway, though. None of you really asked any questions about these visions. That's true. None of you spoke to each other once you started having what you, what you would have to perceive as That's hallucinations. True. None of you said that. That's true. So it's, like, it's not just Kiefer it's Sutherland's fault. fault. Yeah. You know, like... Um, no, it's all their faults. Yeah. And unfortunately for good old Julia Roberts... When she goes into her vision, what she has happen is she actually goes back into her past. I guess a bit. this is maybe a bit like Kiefer Sutherland. She goes back to her past. She sees her parents. Um, she goes upstairs into a bathroom. Again, quite a bit of steam in that bathroom. Um, <laughs> and she finds her dad... Um, I don't know that it's freebasing when you're using heroin, but he's like injecting heroin in the bathroom. Um, and then he like runs out of the house and kills himself in his truck. And that's the vision that she has. Um, yeah, that's pretty rough. It's not good. It is very much not what she was expecting out of this scenario. I'll say that. What the fuck was she expecting, though? I'm she, curious. I mean, honestly, she, she was wanting. The, she was wanting the cloud in the sky yes. thing. Yes, because yeah. she was the one back at the beginning who was like collecting all those memories from people. Right. And whether the memories were good or bad, I think we can fairly surmise that she was giving them a positive spin. Like, mm -hmm. it's the same as like a dream where you're like. I wouldn't call this a nightmare, but it wasn't a good dream. It was just a dream. And, like, yeah. if you told a certain type of person, they might be like, oh, but you said it was, like, you were walking through a field and then you, like, sat down in that field and then the field turned into a bed. And, like, you know, and you're like, yeah, there was nothing bad about that dream, but I was there and I wouldn't describe it as pleasant either. You know, like... Right. Well, because you know, there's there's some dreams where I know that I wake up and I feel uneasy, or I feel like there was something about the dream that felt negative. Yeah. But if I actually look at like what the um, events of the dream were, they aren't in they aren't inherently negative. It's just like that was the vibe. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like I can't explain why this particular dream where I was doing a painting felt not right. great to me. <laughs> right. But it didn't feel great. But then I'm telling you I had a dream about a painting and you're like, oh lovely, dream about a painting. You know, like right. and so that was right. kind of her vibe about the all this data she was collecting is like whatever she was 
receiving. She was always putting a positive spin on because she needed to believe it so much because of this trauma in her past. Meanwhile, back outside in the real world, they have even more trouble getting Julia Roberts back from the dead. This is in part because it's raining so hard outside. The roof is leaking. I don't... Here's another bit of free medical advice from me to our listeners. Don't do a medical procedure in a place with a leaking roof. I just feel Agreed. like it's a bad and in sign. Like a construction zone. Yeah. Just don't yeah, do it. Just like <laughs> Seriously. Because in this case... What happens is the rain is leaking into this room where they're doing their experiments. And so the rain is actually leaking onto like the the circuit breakers and like the um, fuse panel that they've set up. Or maybe they have set up. I don't really know. They've somehow gotten power into this place. And it's already a very janky system to begin with. Um, And then they've got water running down it. So unsurprisingly, the power blows. Um, They can't get her back. So all of like the resuscitation equipment that they would normally use, of course, needs electricity, which they don't have. Um, They manage to get her back. Mainly, it seems like they somehow get her back just using CPR, which is like, I don't think that's how that works even at all. Um, And so this is like enough of a scare for Kevin Bacon that once she comes back, so like Julie Roberts comes back and she like goes into the other room to sort of collect herself. Then the the guys are sitting there and like because this has been such an emergency that's what drives Kevin Bacon to say I've now had this vision this hallucination Mm. from the thing and then Joe aka Billy Baldwin says I I am having a similar problem and then Kiefer Sutherland says I have also been having a similar problem (laughs) Now, again, they've all not told anyone, but they're all mad at Kiefer Sutherland for not telling them. Um, And I guess the reason perhaps they're most mad at him is because his visions seem to be the most, like, breaking into the real world. Like, this this vision is hurting him physically. Like, he keeps getting, he keeps coming back to see them with, like, worse and worse injuries. Although, I will say, like, again, going back to the movies, in movies people don't ask questions, the one part, there's the one part in the car, I can't remember if we already talked about this or not, but, like, where he's getting beat up by the kid. Yeah. And Kevin Bacon literally, like, breaks that up. And granted, yes, he doesn't see the vision himself, but he sees his friend in distress in a very strange way where afterwards I would be like, what was happening there? Like, what was that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, he doesn't. And well, that's the thing is like, cause that happens soon after this. And oh. I guess what we can infer from that scene is that Kiefer Sutherland is probably hurting himself, but the way he's perceiving oh. it is that it's this little boy doing it. Um, 
But either way, they all start to yell at each other, and specifically they're yelling at Kiefer Sutherland because they're basically blaming all of this on him um, because he was not fully forthcoming about how negative his vision was. Um, but I'm like, none of you told anybody anything. So, like, why is this all being, like, left at his doorstep as he's the one who's, like, been purposefully keeping shit from you? Um, right. On the way home from this endeavor, Billy Baldwin um, starts being approached by women in the street. Um... And it's very weird, and they're very creepy. Um, and I couldn't tell if um, they, if those women that are hitting on him were really there, or if they were just in his mind. Um, but as soon as he crosses the threshold into his actual apartment, his fiance is there. Um, and she's sitting in silence. She is very visibly upset. And what turns out to have happened, I'm asking you, what, what, why is she upset? Oh. Oh, she found all those damn tapes. Yes. Yes. I forgot this part. Yeah, so she, so because she got that weird phone call, she decided to make an emergency visit to her fiance. She does not tell him about it. I guess when you're a fiance with someone, an unannounced drop by is considered fine and within the realm of your rights. Um, but yeah, I guess that's okay. But I do, I'm still like, even in an age before the cell phone, I find it weird that you would just get on a bus and come down and not even leave a message on the answering machine or something being like, Hey, I'll see you in a couple hours or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess if she really felt like there was something off with him, she didn't want to give him that heads up. Maybe, maybe it's a little weird. Um, I mean, she clearly has a key to his apartment. She's clearly welcome to show up. I just, I find it odd that she wouldn't have attempted to try and reach him to say, I'm coming down. Um, like, and especially in the era of the answering machine, what I would expect, which maybe he's been out so he hasn't listened to his messages or whatever. Like, I would expect her to have called to say, I'm coming on a bus, I'll be there in a couple hours. And in the realm of the answering machine days, you might not get that message until you walk in and see she's already there. Like, if you've been yeah. out all day. Um, but nonetheless, she's, I mean, she has a key. She gets into his apartment. She finds these tapes. Um, so she breaks up with him. Um, but what's really weird about this breakup is, or maybe it isn't weird. I don't really know. But, like, she says, I don't really mind that you slept with these people. Or, like, that's the vibe she's giving is I, I don't care so much about how you were clearly repeatedly cheating on me. Um, what I do care about, however, is that you, you are filming these women without them knowing. 
And, and yeah. And I, I feel like if I were in her position, I would care about both of those things. Mm-hmm. But she seems yeah. to be more... I mean, maybe she's just the world's best woman. And she's like, I can get over the cheating. I can understand. And for all we know, maybe they had some sort of a long-distance kind of uh, loophole of some sort. Um, yeah. That's not made totally clear. Um, or maybe just, like, the cheating thing is, like, a moral, uh, like, dunzo zone for her. But because the, like, filming of people without their consent is, like, illegal, maybe mm. she's, like, more angry at that because of the legal implications. I don't know. I, no I don't know. But she does. She is, like, you know, it's not so much that you slept with people. It's that you taped them without knowing. And I can't be with a person like that. Um, which, good for her. I agree. But it is a strange set of things to say that is a weird thing to say i think what i would say in that situation um is not similar but like not fully dissimilar i would say like the sleeping with people not good not happy about it but the fact that you film them without their consent also not good not happy about it but the fact that you film them and you keep those videos for whatever reason right that might be the part that's weirdest for me or most upsetting is like you couldn't it wasn't even the experience for the experience sake like you're re-watching it reliving it like right you, like that that part would mess me up more it's all pretty bad so yeah <laughs> i think it's good that she opted out of that relationship yeah um yeah meanwhile Kevin Bacon has figured out who this little girl is and has figured out that this is a little girl that he and some other kids used to pick on in school. Um, And for whatever reason, he decides that he needs to apologize to this girl and that will somehow solve these hallucinations that he's having. Um... So again, because it's the 90s, he's using the phone book. He calls her parents' house. They tell this stranger where she lives. Um, Yikes. And he goes there. (laughs) Um, Double yikes. Yeah. He goes there. This girl, turns out her name is Winnie. Um, And he's come there and he basically explains to her, like, uh... You know, we were in school a long time ago together and I was really quite horrible to you and I just want to apologize for that. Um, Needless to say, um, Winnie is skeptical about why this person would return after all this time, um, but eventually seems to... Uh, accept the apology that Kevin Bacon has given her. Um, and so the the work of that or like the need to atone for that behavior has been fulfilled. Um, in the meantime, as you said, this is when Kiefer Sutherland like waits in the car and then gets terrorized by the hoodie kid. But um, it, it looks like he's terrorizing himself. Like, so 
Right. Because none of them can, it's not as though the other, they can see each other's visions. They can only ever see their own. Um, mm -hmm. Meanwhile, when they return to Chicago proper, uh, they're out in the street. This is when Julia Roberts reveals to the group that she's been seeing her father, who's committed suicide. Um, and she too yells at Kiefer Sutherland for not telling her about the side effects. But again, none of them told anybody. So, you know, I don't know that it's his fault exclusively. Um, and then, Ke then Kevin Bacon says, I've just come from like the source of my trauma and I know how to fix all of our problems. And so he says to Kiefer Sutherland, you need to find Billy Mahoney. Billy Mahoney is the little boy that has been tormenting Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland does a bitter laugh of like, I'll find Billy Mahoney. And so he takes uh, Billy Baldwin and Oliver Platt to a graveyard where he reveals that Billy Mahoney was a kid that he used to pick on as a child. Um, and so Billy climbed up a tree in the hopes of escaping Kiefer Sutherland and his mean friends. The tree branch breaks and Billy falls out of the tree and dies. Similarly, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's dog gets hurt in this incident as well. So that, that's the full vision that he saw. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Kiefer Sutherland then says, I need to make amends for this mistake. Um, meanwhile, this is when Kevin Bacon and Julia Roberts really seem to have slept together or something. Like all of a sudden they're, they're in love. Um, and... Kevin Bacon gets a call from uh, Kiefer Sutherland, basically sort of implying that he's going to flatline himself um, to, to even the scales between him and his childhood trauma. Um, so Kevin Bacon rushes out of his apartment. Uh, Julia Roberts remains in the apartment to have her final moment with her dad, where she gets back into the vision. And unlike what Kevin Bacon had to do for her, her dad has to apologize to her for letting her find him with heroin, for killing himself, etc. Um, they hug, and I guess her problems are now over. Um, <laughs> yep. And it's just that simple, folks. <laughs> you don't need therapy. You don't need to like come to terms with an untimely death. You can just kill yourself, have a vision, and come back from it. Um, yep. Finally, everyone converges back at the old building where Kiefer Sutherland has flatlined himself. Um, and they start trying to revive him. Um, and they realize that he has been under, like, in the other realm for at least nine minutes. Um, 
and then eventually get that gets up to 12 minutes. Um, so I presume even at the time, there had to have been somebody, perhaps a medical student, who was really well actuallying at this point in the movie, being like, this is not, no, this person is dead. Like they are not coming back, even if they're physically alive, if we put them on life support, they are a vegetable now. Um, but in the case of this movie, we follow Kiefer Sutherland into his mind again. We see the full story of how Billy falls out of the tree. Um, and seemingly for no reason at all, some sort of calm overtakes Billy and he looks at adult Kiefer Sutherland and they both smile at each other. And then Billy just yeah. disappears. And that was weird. Kiefer Sutherland is sort of pulled back to the land of the living because he hears his current friend voices, like the people who are trying to revive him on the other side. Um, when he comes back, finally, everyone is very relieved. And he like whispers to Kevin Bacon and Kevin Bacon turns to the rest of the group and says, he said, it wasn't such a good day to die. And then Kiefer Sutherland sort of croaks out a thank you for coming back. And that is the movie. So weird. Well, and cause also, so here's, here's my thing. So like, if the resolution to these stories is that uh, Kiefer Sutherland kills himself, I mean, he does, he kills himself, and so then Billy forgives him because he killed Billy. So that's one story mm -hmm. balanced out. For mm -hmm. Billy Baldwin, he's been objectifying women and taking advantage of them and he doesn't apologize to anybody. Nope. But he I don't does. I any of them learned anything, I guess. He does get broken say. up with. So is that the resolution to that? Like, that's his, that's his punishment. And so he I guess. deserves it. And then um, Kevin Bacon apologizes. First of all, Kevin Bacon's thing is way less bad. He made fun of some girl yeah. on the playground. That's his whole life. That was the worst thing he ever did. Well, I have I have a feeling with that one, the implication that she was black was that the bullying was more intense than what they sure were on the show. sure. That was the implication I got. But yeah, like, I think that's fair. Um, but still, still, it seems pretty low grade compared to the others. To killing someone. Um. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Um. To killing someone. <laughs> to sexually assaulting somebody. Like. It yeah. still doesn't seem quite as serious. Um, but he apologizes. And so then that story is over with. Julia Roberts gets an apology from her father. So like that thing is like zeroed out. I'm just like, I'm not sure how Billy Baldwin's thing is balanced out. Like. Yeah. He just needs to stop doing it. Like you got caught. That's your punishment. Maybe that's the punishment. I guess. You got caught, you got broken up with, now you just like 
never do this again. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I guess so. Um, I don't know. We'll see in the 2017. I know. (laughs) Then we'll know for sure how this all works. Um, Okay. So then, yawns and eye rolls. Starting with yawns. Um, On a scale of 1 to 10, one yawn being this was... Um, a non-stop thrill ride that I couldn't take my eyes off of and 10 yawns being like just couldn't get my attention if you paid me what would you give it I feel like I feel like I've been saying this a lot lately but I I think I'm gonna go like five it was kind of right in the middle for me of like it was about 25 minutes too long for my liking Mm-hmm. Um, and oh yeah because yeah, it is almost like, two hours yeah yeah it's 154 I think but like the yeah it was just like a little boring and a little like I don't really get why these people are doing what they're doing but I also liked the 90s of it so like, sure yeah right in the middle for me yeah I mean I found myself swept up is too strong a word but I was engaged um by this yeah so I think I'd maybe give it a three um even though I've ultimately found it super confounding I was like I'm watching it I'm here I just don't think I get it um yeah in terms of eye rolls, one eye roll is absolutely fabulous world building. I was all in uh, totally getting everything. And 10 eye rolls is like I re- I truly don't know what was happening. Um what would you give it? Uh-oh. I didn't know what was happening a lot of the time, <laughs> I'll be honest. Like um I might say like I might say like seven. Like wow. I was definitely Yeah, I was definitely I mean I liked the world in a weird again, in the weird like nineties of it, like I didn't dislike it, but I was a little confounded. Or I was a lot confounded and didn't really know what was I didn't feel there was moments any moments <laughs> where I was like, ah, I get it. <laughs> 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 not like, not one moment of clarity from you. Not really. And for me, it's sometimes I really struggle with like, is this a me problem or is this sure. a movie problem? And sometimes I can't tell. But um, yeah, so like seven, I think for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I actually probably do mostly agree with you there because. I mean, this always seems to be the problem with a science fiction or science fiction adjacent movie, which maybe I would call this science fiction adjacent. Um, Either you give me too much exposition and then I'm like, why is there even a movie then? Um, (laughs) Or you give me nothing. And I'm like, I need slightly more than this. Not a lot. Just yes. like something. And especially since this Absolutely. one, this one is meant to, like this is not meant to be in an alternative reality. This is not meant to be at a different time than 1990. Right. Like, so I'm right. like, 
couldn't you just though you had time they had time yeah to like tell us a little just bit more like a stuff. little slightly more like for example if they're in medical school is this their first year of medical school that might have been something yeah. I could use as help um maybe a little bit about like how long have these people been friends what drew them together yeah. as friends that could be a little bit helpful um yeah why are they doing this in a old church right. building? <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah. I appreciate it needs to be hidden, but, like, right. this doesn't seem Why is the- like a place where hiding would be, like, like I'm like, if you want to be hidden, you need to be in a warehouse or a basement. Right. Like, right. you know, something. Or even somebody's apartment. Yeah, somebody's apartment. Um, maybe you rent a weird apartment in a weird part of town. Like, there's so many places you could go. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would agree that I'm a seven. I guess maybe this then links into the kind of final thoughts portion, which is they did build a world, and it was this, like, I think the reason that they were in that weird building was part of the kind of stylized nature of this whole thing. Like, yeah, they didn't want to... They didn't want to tell us that there was heaven or hell. They wanted to tell us a story about how, like, regret hangs with you and you need to do something about it, which is fine. Um, But so there were these choices that were like, this will heighten the mood and this will make it... That's why I was like, is this a riff on Frankenstein? Like, the, Mm -hmm. you know, like, we're in this, like, very... And it's... The thing is... Yeah... The thing is, this this uh, the genre this film falls into is sci-fi horror, based on what I yeah think. sure. And I don't really see either. <laughs> I guess sci-fi, like I mean, I guess I see a like hint of both. Yeah, but, like it didn't really. It definitely didn't satisfy like horror-wise. For no, me. it didn't. It didn't really satisfy either of those yeah um because there's i guess that's the closest what as to what it could fall into but like it really didn't hit it for me no because the science fiction part of it if if this were a science fiction movie we'd need to know a lot more about what this experiment is why they're doing it what are the goals behind it um And they you really would brush over the science. Yeah, the and science you would ex- movie. And you would expect quite a lot of coverage, at least at the start, of like the tech they're using to yeah. do the thing. Like, and that yeah. is super glossed over even more. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks like when I like when you look at the newer version of it, um, they have a lot more of that of like the tech being front yeah, makes and center I'm a little like, bit curious to watch that one like yeah if you look at the images coming out of it you see a lot of that sort of thing um of like people looking at uh fancy computer screens you know like and whatever mm-hmm. um and so so you need more that for it to be science fiction and then for it to be horror you need to know more about the, like, why these visions? Like, 
Yeah. And you need to know more about the characters so that you can be scared when you see a teen in a hoodie. Like, um, because right. otherwise it's like, well, what do I yeah, care? The one from 2017 looks much more science-y. Yeah, for sure. Um, in every possible way. Like, yeah, like literally, even like the building or the place they're in doing it, like they have. Yeah, it looks um, like a real hospital. On <laughs> like, their head. Yeah, yeah. They have things on their head. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I guess finally then to wrap things up, did you like this and would you recommend it? Um, probably not. Probably like, ooh, did I like it? Ish. <laughs> I didn't hate, I didn't hate it. I don't think I would recommend it. I think with the other movies that all of these actors have been in in the early 90s, I would recommend any one of those other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would like, I would recommend, you know, sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> Yeah, we've gotten that out of today's conversation. <laughs> yeah, just like any, almost any other 90s movie, really. But like, um, yeah, no, I don't think so. It's it's not my favorite. It's not terrible. I don't think, I, it's not something I would be embarrassed to recommend. Like, people sure. would be like, what's wrong with you? But yeah, I don't think I would go out of my way to recommend it. Yeah, I would say that I liked this okay. Um, and I And I could see a world where I'll probably watch this again sometime like you know um especially now that I've seen it enough like I could this could be a real put it on on a Saturday and like let it play sort of thing sure um so I liked it fine that being said I don't know that I would recommend it either um because like you said like if you want to get this era of these actors, there are so many better ways to get them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is kind of nice to have them all in the one together, but True. Um, I would also say even, even though they're all in it together, the ensemble nature also never really gelled for me. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really feel like these people were friends. Like, yeah. And yeah, I yeah, I agree with that. And like uh, when they threw in that love plot line between Julia Roberts and Kevin Bacon, I was like, why? I actually don't even know that I got that except for like the one moment where they showed them in bed and I was like, "Oh, wait, what?" <laughs> well, cuz it yeah, cuz it came out of nowhere. And so yeah. cuz like and it never kind of came back after well, they literally showed them in bed once and that was like it. Yeah. And the thing was is like the kind of implication was that Julia Roberts was really good looking, and they all and that they all sort of wanted to try and date her. Well, that's, you know, men and women can't be friends. Well, right, right, but like, I'm like, yeah, that's fine, and maybe that's a dynamic. I don't know, but like, even that never really was anything. So I'm like, you could just not have this here, and it would be just as good as if you did. Like, it makes no difference. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and like that, I think is the real shame of this movie. Is like there was a lot of interesting stuff here. There was a lot of potential, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the just day, for yeah, reason. it just they they had all of this great material, 
and it just kind of went to waste. It was just like, together. Mm. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, watch something else from these actors <laughs> and you will be They're happy all in about a lot it. Of stuff. They're all in a yeah. lot of stuff. And like, especially like if you want to see Kiefer Sutherland and his Kiefer Sutherlandliness of this era, watch Lost Boys. That's way better than this. Oh, I thought um, we were going to say 24. <laughs> well, that's a different... He's, like, now that's gotten not, into this weird... This era. As a result of 24, he now seems to... I noticed this, and I didn't say it in the context of the thing. He now seems to do, like, exclusively spy material now. Well, that's, um, what, happen- that's what happens when you do that. It's like Liam Neeson. After he did Taken, like, he's always a secret agent. Yeah, now. so, like, there are so many ways. Like, Julia Roberts... I, I actually probably will watch Sleeping with the Enemy tonight because now my interest is peaked. Um, Mm -hmm. Kevin Bacon of this era, Tremors is like a pretty beloved cult Mm -hmm. movie, you know, like, so it's just a shame to like, be like, oh, all these great people are in this. And then it's like, well, who, but nothing, (laughs) who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it from us here at See You Next Week in Space. Who cares about (laughs) Flatliners? Um, I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.